everyone, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch Podcast. My name is Joe, and with me is... Dak. Jamie. And Data. Yes, we're all here, and we're talking about uh, a few different things. We read four little sections here for this week. First was the Ars Arcanum from Elantris, and uh, we read about the door and some interesting things about the shard system. And then we read on the cell system, which went into more depth about the investiture, had some interesting tidbits about how there were two shards that were part of Elantris, and also how they're both dead, and how all of their power is in the cognitive realm, which makes sense based on what we read in Secret History. Now we read some about a short story where we find out Serenity's pregnant, which is cool. And then we hear about some of the events at the end of the Book of Elantris uh, that were told from a different perspective. So that's uh, what we're covering this week. Hold on to something, everyone. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Feed the fire, set me free in this city of dreams. Push my mind into overload. Hack the wire, smash the team in this yeah what did you guys think of not even not really chapters these these four things that we read this time yeah no like these were good like a little bit of uh new information here and there like probably uh, in the seller system the thing i most retain is like oh this was also a two shard system because i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure the essay on the on the skating system said it was unusual that it was a, a two shard system so i guess that's why i never i never suspected that all through elantris but Look, we called it. Devotion was at least one of them. But I think, yeah, from Secret History, that wasn't too hard to puzzle out. So that was cool. Interesting that, yeah, that it and Dominion are both dead and dispersed. So I guess what? That brings the shards down to 13, if we take account that Sace has two now. So yeah, I guess at least, so. at least a max, maximum of 13 that can be out there. So that's, so that's yeah, fairly interesting. Uh, I really liked the hope of Elantris. I, I get 100% why it wasn't included in the book. I think given how much the perspectives chopped and changed around the place, it probably could have been put in there somehow, but obviously it wasn't written when the book first came out. So, because I read the blurb like that he wrote afterwards as well. It's like, oh, this is how I came up with this story. So that was cute. But yeah, no, a really nice little story, very heartfelt and just, yeah, good moment of a couple of characters we didn't really get to see as much of in the book. So that was cool. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this all. Yeah, I mean, the main character from the story, I don't think, was even named in Elantris. No, she wasn't. So, yeah, definitely. It's nice to see some other perspectives from the, like, we basically had one perspective within Elantris. It was always Rowden, except for the brief time Serene was there. So it's interesting yeah. to see other other thoughts. But also just, like, Daishi or Day, uh, whatever the pronunciation is, this has been killing us all book. He was kind of just there. He's like, he's the, the grumpy soldier that worked for Karada and then took over after Sal and died. So we didn't really get to see much of him. It was actually really cool seeing another side of that guy. I'm like, oh, I, I really like that. And it's like, it was nice to see. It's like, oh, he's not just like a total ass. He's actually a really loving guy. Yeah, no, I liked, I liked getting these little extra bits of information, you know, dominion and devotion. I thought that was pretty cool to put names on them, even though we pretty much thought devotion was a thing anyway. I really enjoyed just little bits of information. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that I still don't understand because obviously we haven't read those bits yet. But (laughs) to have a few things pop up, you know, I think reading uh, Secret History when we did, 
was really good because now we already understand a little bit about the Irie and you know other things that have popped up in those chapters as well. So that's pretty cool. Kind of good to get a little bit of, I guess, more context around Cell, the planet, and you know that there may be other areas on this planet that we might come back and explore at some point. It's not just like Elantris and the countries that we've had uh, in this book. So it's nice to have some little, I guess, hints of things that might come up as well. Yeah, and another Hoyd story and his little his little friend up there too. Yeah, good. Always good to get just a little bit of extra information. And, yeah, the, the hope of Elantris. I actually like that story. I'm kind of glad that they didn't go through and manage to kill all the children. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that made me happy. And also just that the kids were doing really well in New Elantris and they had their coloured sheets and their shoes and going back to school. And, I was, they, you know, they were doing really well and that was really, really heartwarming. Yeah, I mean, during the actual book, I don't think it even ever crossed my mind. Like, oh, man, no. did they kill all the kids too? But, you yeah. know. No, I mean, I guess it's not something that I thought of, but it was also like, yeah, well, they killed everybody. Like, it was yeah. just Galadon and Karada left. So, I mean, it makes sense that they would have killed all the children, but I'm I'm pleased that that hadn't eventuated. Yeah. Also, I like your point about the other areas. I think it's one of my favorite little notes from that, uh, the Selish system thing, where it's like, so yeah, there's like three major kind of empires or whatever on the planet, and they get by by like basically pretending the other ones aren't really important. Or big mm. enough to worry about. I'm like, oh, well, that's super interesting, actually. Yeah. Imagine having this planet and being able to traverse water and everything and not wanting to explore the other areas. Right? It's weird. Crazy. But what does that do for the magic systems elsewhere? I mean, we've already had little hints at the end of Elantris that you've got other ways to access the door. So what else happens on the planet? I mean, the whole planet was devotion and dominions territory. So who knows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wonder if that was dominions influence for them to not like care about the other empires mm. or maybe, or maybe the opposite. It was devotions influence. Like I'm devoted to my kingdom. I don't care about these other ones. Yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, I, uh, I enjoyed uh, everything for the most part. I actually, found the hope of Lantris kind of boring i mean i guess just because it didn't add like it did add some extra character development which was interesting but it didn't add like anything substantial to the story as far as like secrets or anything like that so that was kind of a letdown for me but we got some good tidbits uh, especially from the the cell system essay and the ars arcanum I really liked some of the things we found out about the shards, and uh, also uh, I feel like the Hoyt stuff was was really good too. I and my guess, based on something that's said in the essay, is that the thing with Hoyt was like a dark seon, like a skaze or whatever. That would be my guess based on um, what data told us. Too, yeah. yeah, what data told us last time, and then also just from reading. Yeah kind of the other stuff so that was kind of cool that one technically made it into the story and it sounds like they got like plans or something because but but yeah we'll get into that so yeah but for the most part i i liked everything i probably could have read like not read the hope of Lantris, and i don't feel like i would have really missed out you know mm, yeah okay yeah and that definitely seems to have been a skaze or however you want to say it the the 
mean version of Aeons. And there's, and I don't remember if it's written in there or if it's just like something that the fans think, but it's basically, it basically seems like Seans may be pieces of devotion and Skays are pieces of dominion. Yeah, I can say that. But it's also interesting to me that all this talk about Domi in the book, and clearly it's a shortening of dominion and they paint Domi as being like this God of love, which doesn't really, it seems like it would fit devotion more than dominion, but, uh, I, I did not knows. put together that Domi was meant to be Dominion until you said it. Oh, now I feel like <laughs> yeah. a slow idiot. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't really put that together either. But at the same time, I would say it kind of makes sense for them to get it confused because you're talking about a world that had two gods, but they don't even really remember the gods themselves. So mm-hmm. it's very it would probably be very easy to get those two crossed in uh, storytelling. Or if somebody's trying to persuade you to their religion, they're like, well, actually, by getting, quote unquote, confused with this other god, really, they're just saying, well, let's just give him the characteristics of that of that benevolent god, and then people will like him. So it, it makes total sense that that would get crossed. Yeah, I mean, even more recently than that, we know that from what Serene was saying, that basically Jadeth was like this unimportant god that watched rocks under the earth or something, and then... He got elevated to this different position within the this new church, basically. So clearly, it, that, that sort of thing happens. Okay, I guess let's get into these. The on Andor section, most of this, the the, the three sections are actually, uh, other than the short story, are all pretty short. But uh, this one starts out talking about the aeons and how they're part of the aeonic language. But actually, if you look at, like, study the language part, then they may predate the invention of this language and it may have like Duladel language family may have evolved to encompass the aeons and include them when people moved into this part of the country meaning that maybe the aeons were here and people showed up and learned them from whoever or whatever was here in Aralon. so that's kind of interesting i don't know what it tells us exactly but how old is elantris was it elantris is very old and in fact uh I think Brandon, I don't remember what it says in here, but Brandon has said that it predates the arrival of the Aeonic people. Hmm. So somebody probably lived here and created Elantris before these other people showed up. And then people didn't even start becoming Elantrians until like a few decades after people had settled here near Elantris. Uh, okay. Maybe the Seons taught them. Could be. Yeah, we still don't know anything about where Seons come from, really. It's like, hey, you're gonna come onto our turf. You're gonna, you're gonna learn, learn how our written language. I like the Zans were just all hanging around Elantris. Like, huh, what are we gonna do for like, for like hundreds of years or something? Why do we even have doors? We don't have arms. <laughs> but her conclusion here, because remember, Chris wrote the Ars Arcanum, is it's like, who created these the Aeons, or did like the landscape somehow dictate the shape and sound of them? I don't know, but you can see why this drives my curiosity. Let me find out that Aeons, we already knew this. She's talking about Aeons have to be drawn exactly right, which is kind of different from how it works in other magic systems, she says, in the Cosmere. Elsewhere, if you think you're doing something correctly, then often it works. But here, even a tiny mistake invalidates the Aeon. You can't accidentally draw an Aeon. She's like, it would be really hard because of how complicated they are and the fact that only Elantrians can draw them in the first place. But I've tested it, so. How do you test something to happen accidentally? I, I, I don't know. She, 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 she's tested to her satisfaction. Maybe, maybe she like forced what, what an Elantrian. Mean? She's like, hey, I need you to make 
this hand motion or something something without them realizing it was part of an aeon i don't know but <laughs> this raises so many questions right she has her ways I imagine she's just like sitting there with an lantern like okay i need you to run through a series of tests for me no he's you don't like, know why? me. Uh, <laughs> she's like i'll pay you he's like i don't need money i could turn anything into gold right <laughs> She's like, she thinks everybody on the planet is basically has some sort of connection to uh, the door and investiture, much as you would find on other planets where full shards of Adonalsium have settled. So, okay, good to know. But uniquely, on Cell, it seems like one's spiritual connection to birthplace determines the flavor and style of their invested connection. So when it talks about flavor and style, you can think of it like, uh, kind of like Mistings, I guess, from Mistborn. They each have this connection to the power, but it's a different sort of connection, right? Because they can do different things with the power. Uh, yeah. So she's saying basically where you're from, where you're born, determines the different things that you can, different ways of accessing this. Yeah, so I guess like the Fjordals that with their weird Fjordal magic, they're the only ones that could do it because they were born there. I guess Which so. also makes sense why only certain people can... Can, yeah, become Elantrians. And my guess, based on something else that is said, where they're talking about similarities to Duladel, is maybe Duladels or Dulas could become Elantrians because of their like original heritage. Yeah, probably. Because yeah, it definitely seems like what we're hearing here is that the people migrated from Duladel like up into this area, and so they have a shared heritage. But initiation is the one uh, that I feel like drops some very interesting things in here. First of all, this is where we learn that it's like uh, their gods are dead. It's like the general public think that there's divinity is choosing who becomes an Elantrian. I find this unlikely considering that their gods are dead and by my best guess have been for a very long time. I wonder if they know that they are channeling the corpses of those gods in the outpouring of their magic. So how do you become a practitioner of Aeon Dor? It doesn't appear to be tied to family descent, like on Skadriel. So we know that Allomancy is inherited on Skadriel, right? So, yeah. Nor is it a specific shard's decision, as on Nalthus. So here's another planet where apparently the shard decides who gets access to magic. Even Taldane's and Vax's methods do not seem to apply here. So there's two more planets. We don't know exactly what those methods are. Does anyone recognize the word Vax? We've heard it once it's, before. Uh, um, Preservation said that right before he died, didn't he? It was Ruin who said that. Yeah. Ruin. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Like the, the, the redheaded guy who was the shard holder after he died, his like spirit came into the cognitive realm and he looks around and he goes, Vax? Like with a question mm. mark. And then he dies after Kelsier punches him. So when Secret History came out, I don't think that we knew that uh, that was a planet. Everyone's like, what does that mean? Is, he, is it a person? Is it a place? What is it? And so this seems to imply that we're talking about a planet. She concludes that she can only surmise that random chance must be involved unless there's a hidden pattern that she's not been able to discern. So lots of interesting little Cosmere knowledge nuggets, as Joe says, in that one. Not quite as much as what Man, we get in uh, in a minute. I didn't eat dinner yet, so what I really need is some chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Nalthus. Got to keep an eye up on Nalthus. So we cut to the secret yeah. added thing that slipped in here in the postscript. We're Hoyd the Beggars up on the mountainside looking at the pool. I assume it's the same pool. Yeah, I think you're uh, getting his name wrong. I, I think it's the Sexy Drifter. <laughs> <laughs> sexy Drifter hanging out, being yeah. cool, being sexy. Uh, he's not the only person here getting their name wrong. Right? That's the best. That's true. 
I was confused. I was like, is this guy, is this guy is being annoying on purpose or I think is he, he is, yes. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> He's just confused being why I keep calling him a Hoid. Uh, so Hoid is wearing bandages. And remember, I guess like we found out that Serene's never saw his face, basically. And apparently he was all bandaged up. Although I don't know that we know that this takes place like immediately after the book or anything. This could be much later, theoretically. I don't remember if there's anything in here that locks it down as in a, a time period. Just based on what he's talking about, I would assume it's like the day after everything went down because he's he's like he's, you know he's making comments about how he didn't change. He thought he might, so mm-hmm. I would assume that it's like pretty soon after Elantris is restored. So that would be my guess. It's like it's the day yeah. after. I mean, that yeah, that was my thought too. Because it's like yeah, if he's waiting to see if he's gotten the powers, why would he wait like longer than that? Well, I was thinking that it might. I mean, he. he the the restoration of Elantris might not be what he think is thinking gave him powers. He might have done something else and thought that that. Yeah. Gave him That's powers. true. But yeah. I mean, you know, if it is the restoration of Elantris, it would be funny if he's just like, well, let, let's give it a week. Maybe something will happen. <laughs> no, still nothing. Bummer. One has to wonder why he would think that, and we did, we don't get any explanation. He apparently did something that makes him think that he's going to transform. When we know only people from this area can become that. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. Well, and that kind of feeds into my theory that he was like trying to find the shard, like he's trying to find the power of all the shards and like take the power. So maybe in this aspect, he thought he found maybe some shard power somehow and mm. thought maybe he'd change. And this case is like, did you really, you didn't honestly expect to find yourself transformed. And I was just like, I kind of did. Mm. He's he's looking over his hands, like trying to spot some glowing maybe a little little, little bit. no okay <laughs> and the the the, the thing it, which i don't think it describes it right away there's just an, a voice saying this stuff and it, it it it's like you would have felt the effects earlier hoed it's like hoid that's an important distinction here he's like yeah that's what i said hoed never mind uh and like he he stands up brushes off his trousers which sends up a huge cloud of dust he's like oh right i'm wearing a beggar costume yeah all right <laughs> This is where he tells us that his companion is a hovering dark sphere about the size of a melon. It somehow sucks in light and doesn't have distinctive edges that you can make out. So he's like a hovering black lightsaber. Pretty cool. Ringed with a pattern of misty symbols that ran like a hoop from its top around the side to the bottom and then back up to the top. Speaking of which, first episode of Boba Fett was good. I haven't seen it yet. Neither have I. I'm going to. I just did not. And this case is like, okay, what now? And Hoyt, uh, he says, hey, did you know I once ate a live frog? As one does. It's such a yes. random statement. Right? <laughs> You're just like, oh, even, okay, where did that come from? Even the story he tells afterwards to kind of explain doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, <laughs> he's basically saying, like, I don't have it all that bad, but still. I just I mean, you got it bad enough to be eating frogs. Yeah, well, and who, he doesn't explain why he ate the live frog either. But I, I love his description where he's like, eh, it's, it was mostly a frog anyway. It had like an extra leg or two. It was violet, but basically same thing. Slimy, amphibious, all that. Sounds like it was meant to be venomous. If it's, weird like, if colored, it's all colorful, yeah. <laughs> yeah, weird colored frogs normally means venomous or poisonous. Wait, Maybe he was trying no. to get high. Uh, okay, yeah. Romer, are you looking Slimy toads? yet satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we need? A high hoid? <laughs> <laughs> right. He's, he's, like not, he he's not weird enough already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he could only get sexier if he's high. <laughs> but, uh, he's like, 
When I reflect upon my illustrious life, that moment inevitably surfaces as the nadir of my experiences so far. That's a low point <laughs> for anyone out there not familiar with the term nadir. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think we're all verbose and stuff, throwing these big words around. Jeez. <laughs> and I like this. The, 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 this gaze is like, yeah, I thought I'd find my low point also until I met you. And Hoyt's just like, <laughs> hey, good execution on that insult. Unexpected. Snappy. I thought you guys didn't have a sense of humor. And the comeback is so, it's like, you think there isn't poignant and undeniable humor in the fact that we are so reliant upon humankind, the entire universe laughs. We'd have to be deaf not to hear it. It's just I like this like, guy. Yeah, right? It's like this long-suffering quality to it. <laughs> Very different from what we saw in the seance. Yeah, I definitely need a scaze by my side, not a... <laughs> it's like, uh, if, if, if any of you people that out there that have played Destiny 2, it's like uh, it's like the two versions of Failsafe, the happy-go-lucky Failsafe, and then, like, the really sarcastic and bitter one. <laughs> I haven't played Destiny 2. And the thing's like, okay, so the frog, was there a point to this whole story? And Hoyt's like, yeah, so I think back on that moment, and I realize something important, and he jumps in, that your most awful experiences are never the ones you're anticipating, that's that's a nice lesson to take from that. <laughs> it's like no, but good point. Yeah, it's like I think I'm gonna use that sometime. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> no, I realized that as horrible as that was for me, at least I wasn't the frog. And the skaze actually chuckles at this, and always like, yeah, they do have a wider range of emotions than I thought. I gotta be careful about my interactions with uh, not letting one interactions with one member of a race, even a synthetic race, color my view of all of them. There is beauty in every disaster, friend, if you're clever enough to find it. And the guy's like, so, what do you mean? You failed utterly. You're not one of them. You haven't the powers you promised us you'd gain. You've accomplished nothing. So it sounds like he made a deal with these guys of some kind where he promised them that he was going to yeah. get powers. Yeah, and Ryan, he told this case, like, follow me and I'll get powers. And they're like, it didn't happen. I feel like give, all right, what what little we know of Hoyd, like, you know, we, we saw him grab the bait of Lorassium back at the well. Mm-hmm. Like, so it seems like, okay, so your end game is to gain the powers for, that each of the shards have bestowed upon pe- regular people. If he's trying to become an Elantrian, that fits. And I'm like, okay, so what what's it, what deal has he made with the Skaze? If their bits of Dominion are like, is, have they promised that if he can get the pa- like Elantrian power, they'll show him how to get Dominion's power as well? Mm, maybe. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, but his conclusion is that uh, there's still secrets unknown, and I love a good puzzle. And he jumps into the pool and vanishes. Yeah, and for me, that was like, you know, they say that there's points in every world where the cognitive realm can be reached. So my guess is the pond, especially since we now know that the powers from these shards was dispersed into the cognitive realm, the pond is like a, uh, basically a, a, a portal into the cognitive realm. Hmm. We did see him use the Well of Ascension to transition from the cognitive realm to the physical realm in Secret Histories. So, and they made a point that the pits yeah. were like the other point of yep. travel, really. So it seems like uh, I, I'm pretty sure I, I, uh, when we saw this pool, when Ra- when Raiden fell into it in the book, like, we were just like, okay, so this is like the concentrated part of the shard's power. I think I made that guess. So I feel like, all right, so these travel points are basically where the power of the shard collects. The pits is where Adium's, uh, where Ruin's power was. The well was where Preservation's power was. So this is, must be where Devotion's power was. And they used, they basically used the shard's energy to travel to other places. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that does, that fits, I guess. Yeah. Makes sense. So that's, that little bit was added for the 10th anniversary edition. Uh, it never appeared before that, so a little bits of interesting information that we get. So 
I got a, I got a question about Hoyd, which like I don't know I don't know if we're, if we're allowed to know the answer, but so obviously he's shown up in Elantris and in the Mistborn books that we've seen, and now with all this supplemental material and secret history and and this little tidbit here, obviously people can see see he's working behind the scenes and doing a hell of a lot across all like, across the Cosmere. When did he like? What what came first? Like so, Elantris got was the first book published, and then I think you said Mistborn was one of the next ones after that, and he's obviously in yeah. both. Did like people freak out online when they realized, hang on, what's this guy doing in both of these? Or was it already revealed that he would be traveling between places or something? I don't know. It is definitely something that people discovered as we as uh, as things went along, and like I said, the this this bit was added ten years later. So in the original version of Elantris, all you had was like his name mentioned the one time when he's helping Serene. And I mean, then, he's, uh, he's still he's still turned up. People were able to tell it was him, right? And so then he turns up in Mistborn as also a beggar, and uh, it, people are asking questions like, "Wait, what's what's this? Is it is it a coincidence that there's two guys with the same name?" Because once again, and also Secret History didn't come out for a long time. That's a very recent release. So there's there was a lot of mystery and a lot of theorizing about is this the same guy? Is this different guys? Is there relevance? Is there not relevance at all? Is it a coincidence? Maybe like Brandon has a friend with this name and is using it just uses it repeatedly. So there was a lot of theorizing. And in more recent years, it's become more clear, like what's up with this character uh, through stuff like secret history. Right. So you guys are are getting a bit of an advantage to be able to get this extra added stuff uh, right off the bat. Oh, I feel so special. (laughs) Cool. Okay, we're over to the Selish System essay, also written by Chris. And really, I love the star charts at the beginning of each of these essays. They're like my favorite thing in these books. Yeah, or that this, is pretty this cool. Book, rather. Yeah. Wait, am I remembering correctly in the other, in the last system, it was just the one planet and the sun, right? There wasn't like other planets. I was pretty fascinated that there was multiple planets in the system anyway. Uh, I'm looking at the map now. It looks like there was... I think there are a couple of other planets, but they're so far back that they can't get any heat from the sun or anything. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Both, now that I'm looking at the, the, the Skadrian system versus the Stellar system, they both have a comet belt in them. Weird. There are two, like, gas giants kind of at the outer part of the system, and there's also a couple dwarf planets. But in within the habitable section, there's... Skadriel's new orbit and Skadriel's old orbit. That's what shows up there. Right on. And I think she even mentions in the essay, like, like I don't think it's a coincidence that there's there's like one planet here and and that it's lucky that there is because with how much it's moved around, that could have caused some problems if there was another one to run into. So, okay, yeah. The Selish system, central to the planet, is Sel, home to multiple empires that uniquely have remained somewhat ignorant of one another. It's kind of willful ignorance, with each of the three great domains pretending the others are mere blips on the map, barely worth notice. And we, we will see a little bit of what that's talking about uh, in the next story we read. Planet's a little bigger than normal, 1.5 Cosmere Standard, which Cosmere Standard uh, is based on the original planet. Where Chris is from? No, not where Chris is from, actually. Chris is from uh, someplace else. Yolin, that's the name. The original planet where humans are from in the Cosmere, that uh, when they created humans on Skadrial, when the two uh, shards got together and made a planet and humans, they were kind of they were kind of mimicking Yolin with that one. So, and Yolin is is basically Earth. 
it had Earth animals and Earth size and stuff. So it says 1.5 Cosmere standard. It's 50% larger than Earth. And she says she's talking about the amount of variation you can you can find on this one planet: snow-covered plains, expansive desert, et cetera, et cetera. Which, in fact, I would have found remarkable upon my first visit had I not by then discovered that this was the natural state of many planets in the Cosmere. So what we can take from that is the planet she's from is not like that. Cells notable for being dishardic, one of the few planets in the Cosmere to attract two separate shards. So she's not saying it doesn't happen. There's a few of them, but it's there's not many. Wow, dishardic. I definitely read that as dishardic, which is definitely not the word. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool word, dishardic. Hmm, that's a cool made-up word. Dishardic makes a lot more sense. <laughs> she says she thinks that early on the shards did, weren't, didn't really care much about humans, and society slowly developed discovering the powers that permeated the landscape. Hard to determine now, however, as at some point in the distant past, both devotion and dominion were destroyed, their investiture, their power splintered, their minds ripped away, and their souls sent to the beyond. So, what the hell destroyed them? Yeah, that is an excellent question. These are two pieces of God. What could uh, what could do that? And at this point, the bulk of the investiture that made up the two powers of these shards is trapped in the cognitive realm. That's not something that we're real familiar with at this point, but generally how investiture and how this power works, this godly power that you're accessing for magic. So it, it for, for me, it's easier to think about it in terms of Mistborn. It always talks about the magic coming from the metal. They're burning the metal and getting this power from it. But in reality, what the metal does is it taps into the power of the shard. And most of the power exists in the spiritual realm, which is it, it doesn't have a geography. It doesn't have I'm not even sure that time is relevant in the spiritual realm. It's just everything there at one time. So all this power hangs out out there in this infinite realm and you draw on it by when you're using whatever magic it is. So the metal is kind of like a key that determines how the power, when you draw it, how it comes out. So all the power of these, the power of these shards was mostly in the spiritual realm. That's where it hangs out until whatever or whoever, I guess, killed them, did whatever it did. And it took all that power and dumped it into the cognitive realm where it should not be. So collectively, these powers, which have a polarized relationship, are called the door. And they're basically trapped, bursting, wanting to escape into somewhere else and because the cognitive realm has distinct locations unlike the spiritual realm where most investiture resides there she said it magic on cell is dependent upon physical position where you are what the language and stuff is directly shapes how the magic is pulled out of the cognitive realm and put to use and she feels like the way this works is gradually changing things on this planet and maybe the landscape itself has become invested to the point that it has a growing self-awareness in a way unseen on other planets. So that's possibly disturbing that your planet may be uh, becoming self-aware. Oh, no. It's going to take the form of Kurt Russell. <laughs> or it could be uh, there's a planet in the Green Lantern Corps, right? That, that dude's cool. Oh, Mar- Margo? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I don't know how this has happened or what the ramifications will be, but I've begun to wonder if something greater is happening on Cell than we at the Universities of Silverlight have guessed. So th- this may be the first mention of Silverlight also. So apparently she's at a university yeah. in a place, it's a place called uh, It's a place I want to go. Sounds like a hip place. Learn some good stuff. I don't know if she's a professor or what her deal is, but... Uh, honestly, it sounds like it could be... will help. <laughs> it says, sounds like it could be a university in Elantris. I mean, Silverlight, that's kind of their thing. Oh, maybe that's an interesting point, yeah. Maybe they just have a different name for it where she's from. Yeah. 
Perhaps the Irie know more, but they are not speaking on the topic and have repeatedly denied my request for collaboration. Yeah, so those people yeah. in the cognitive realm are like, nah, go F yourself. Yeah, jerks. Yeah, they do seem to be kind of massive twats. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You're not wrong. At least the ones we saw. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be a reason they split off from the rest of the Elantrians, I guess. Probably because they're major dicks. Yeah, well, that's exactly what They kicked him out. Well, like, get out yeah, yeah. And uh, ironically, it's like if they if they were Elantrians and got kicked out, they weren't affected by the like the the Riyadh. The yeah. yeah. I always get the Riyadh and the Shayad mixed up in my head. I know they're so similar. She also mentions briefly the Seans and the Skays, splinters of self-aware investiture that have developed human-like mannerisms. The rest of the system is of little relevance. There are a number of other planets, but only one in the habitable zone. It's barren, inhospitable, and prone to terrible dust storms. So okay. Makes, which makes it uncomfortably warm, even for one who has spent a good portion of her life on the day side of Taldane. So there it is. She, she tells us that's where she's from, is Taldane, which was mentioned earlier as uh, uh, one of the planets. So it was like, even the methods on Taldane and Vax are not the same as this one. So she's from a place called Taldane, which has a day side. So we're, we moved to the Hope of Elantris, which starts with this picture, which is frankly kind of creepy and terrifying. It's like a woman screaming and what looks, I mean, I guess those are the Elantrian kids. Why they have like little yeah. hair bristles that look scary porcupine zombies is beyond me, but it's a creepy picture. Yeah. So this I'm little disappointed that the silhouettes of the, uh, the dark world monks don't look as inhuman as I thought they would. No, I think those are supposed to be like the regular soldiers. Oh, are they? Uh, uh I guess that makes sense given what happens. So yeah. And they didn't leave, and I, I don't, most of this may have taken place, actually, I guess, before. But after the decor monks go to Teo, they only left a couple monks behind. It was mostly regular soldiers. That's right, but, yeah. Uh, this may actually take place before they left, so. Uh, the wraparound for this, it's kind of like the King Killer Chronicles, where you got this wraparound bit that takes place after the, everything has happened. This is later on, and uh, Aish is like, so, uh, yeah, Lady Serene says she's going to be a little bit late to dinner. Rounds like, uh, dinner was supposed to start an hour ago. I think we're past a little bit late. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, she made me promise to relay a message. If you complained, tell him that I'm pregnant and it's his fault. So that means he has to do what I want. Um, okay. yeah, that, that sounds about right. Having dealt with a pregnant wife. Yes. That, 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 that sounds uh, like the kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and Ron's just like, okay, fine. And it's, it's, things are going, are going good. Food is plentiful. People are happy. New Elantris is there, everything's good. And uh, Robin's like, hey, you know, while you're here, Aish, uh, I've been meaning to ask you something. Where were you during, like, the time before Elantris was restored? I mean, I didn't really see you around until you came to tell me that Serene had been kidnapped. And uh, it's like, oh, well, that's a tale. Let me tell you this uh, this grand tale. A tale which proceeds to not be from Aish's viewpoint. It is not from his viewpoint at all. I was about to say, it's it's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even put that together, but you're absolutely right. Uh, but we get uh, it's the viewpoint of Matisse, who I, is an older child who takes care of the younger children. I guess she's like a teenager or something, and she takes care of the younger children. It says Matisse took care of the children. That was her job in New Orleans. Everyone had to have a job. That was Spirit's rule. And she likes this job, so it's all good. And I, I wonder, like, how long most of these kids have been there. And since they don't age, like... Um, I'm just wondering, like, how grown up they get. I guess nobody lasts all that long in Elantris, even if the children handle it a bit better. So it might not be that big a deal. They're, they only end up being an, a year or two older than they look before they go ho-ed. 
But the kids are like, oh, we want to stay up. And as kids always do. And it's like, no, 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 you can't stay up. Go to bed. But this, as we know, is right before, uh, you know, the decor monks show up. So everyone's a little bit nervous. Galadon has been sent by Rowden here to teach them, teach everyone some aeons to try to defend themselves. He's this, He was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but some, I'm, I'm worried something's going to happen. So get everybody ready. I guess this kind of explained at the end of Elantris when Galadon shows up in Teo with all of them and is shouting which one to do. I was like, mm-hmm. how would they all know which one to do? Because he taught them here. Yeah, he's been drilling them. Even then, w- when they got that point, like half of them weren't able to correctly complete their Aeon, so they still hadn't learned that well. But no. uh, it was half half a, a couple hundred people shooting blasts at you is better, a lot better than nothing. And so she's like, hey, you know what? Yeah, maybe you guys can stay up. Uh, go ahead and get out some quills and paper, and we'll just practice drawing Aeons uh, a couple hundred times. And they're like, oh, oh, never mind. We'll go to sleep. Putting that little parenting hack in my back pocket. <laughs> okay. I want to stay up late. Okay, I'll make up some extra homework for you. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'll go to sleep now. <laughs> and there's the one little girl who can never sleep. And they're like, come on, try. But uh, the kids are, the kids like, aeons don't even work. Why, why do we have to practice these? And she's like, hey, there's a reason. I mean, you can see that you know, there's some power there. Which is true, because when you draw them, a thing appears, so clearly there's some some weird magical shit happening. It just doesn't do anything. And we get her perspective on, uh, her perspective on, uh, the, back in the day, when, uh, things had been pretty bad in Elantris, until day she found her in a sludge-filled alley, and basically he kind of adopted her. He became her dad, which is kind of sweet. She'd been an orphan even before being taken by the Shayad. One day she just started calling him father, and he didn't object, so... That's it. That's it's kind of nice. Especially because, yeah, like all our experiences with the guy, he's been like really cold and angry. So it's nice to see a different side of him. Yeah, right. But I I, I, I think Daishi's still a grumpy dude. He's like, yeah, you never thought I'd see the day that Dulo was teaching people aeons. And she's like, dude, be nice. Come on. Galadon's a nice guy. He's like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's not a scholar. He messes up the lines more often than not. But apparently Daishi's not real great at drawing aeons either. So, you know pot and kettle and Daishi's a, a little bit grumpy that Rowden's out there chasing that woman as he says not taking care of his people although in reality he is actually taking care of his people he's been he's been crowned king at this point yeah he would he definitely has so he's uh he is 100% taking care of his people it's just more than just you yeah he didn't exactly seem to fill them in though so Daishi also seems kind of narrow-minded here where she's like hey you know maybe there's important stuff he's doing out there to stuff to do with other nations and armies and stuff. And Daishi's like, nah, that doesn't concern us. And Daishi's also like, I mean, it looks, it sounds like spirit thinks that the aeons work now for some reason. And we've just been drawing them wrong all along. I don't know how many scholars who designed them could have missed a whole line, but whatever. He's just, he's a very grumpy dude. Yeah. Actually on the, on that note, we never found out what caused the chasm, did we? A bit. We did not. And I, I will have, I have a little bit I can say on that, but it actually comes up in one of the emails that gets sent. So, wait for that that's when ace shows up so how he knew any of that stuff that happened before he shows up to tell route in the story who knows but um he's like lady matisse and she's like no i'm not a lady and he just calls everyone lady and lord and he's very he's very polite (laughs) like that not to backtrack too much but what was that show where where they're like how did you know about the parts you weren't there for (laughs) that was that was uh dragon ball abridged yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> how do you know about the parts you weren't there for? See, that feels like something that should have been asked repeatedly on How I Met Your Mother to me. But um, yeah, right. He does cover that sometimes. I'm just not all the time. But I, there's totally bits where he's like, well, "Your Uncle Marshall swears that it happened this way," right before something ridiculous goes down. But anyway, I, I really like that show once upon a time. Uh, but Ace is here to tell them about the delivery, the one that we saw Lady Serene setting up with the weapons. And she's like, wait, wait, what, what weapons? Really? Sweet. And Matisse is like, but why would she send those? And he's like, I don't know. You know, stuff's getting kind of hot outside. So I guess she wants New Atlantis to be prepared, just in case. We, for all the good it ends up doing. But and then Matisse has Aish come and tell a story to the children to help them go to sleep. Especially the one little girl who just, like, can never go to sleep. And she's like, hey, I'm sorry to take so much of your time. And Aish is like, no, it's actually great. I haven't been in, able to tell a story since my mistress was a child. So apparently she got Aish at her birth. Again, that's a really cute little moment for Aish that we don't get to see a lot of. Right? When does Aish get to do what he wants? <laughs> well, well, and I, I wonder Aish. about that. Yeah, I wonder about that. Like, when she was a baby, like, he couldn't communicate with her, so he's just, like, floating around, like, hanging out. It's like, uh, looking out for her. You know, if something happens, he can tell the king or whoever. Yeah, there should be a whole cartoon episode where baby Serini, like, it's Mr. Magooing around and Aish <laughs> is trying to, like, protect her and, like, make sure she doesn't get. And then, you know, in the end, Aish just keeps getting beat up by stuff because he's trying to protect baby, baby Serini, <laughs> Serini who's Magooing. Baby in the bowl. There you go. That's a good name. I'll, 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 I'd watch it. I, I prefer Serini's day out. <laughs> I mean, right now our baby's holding this little ball with like rattle things in it and shaking it around. Maybe, maybe she was able to hang on to Aish, and Aish <laughs> would just, you know, make gurgling sounds or something. I don't know. Seems undignified, but yeah, it's, the it, first few years of his pairing with her, he was just a rattle. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, ah, it's a living. Says this like. Aish uh, has a deep, sonorous voice. So can you just imagine a baby rattling around a ball that sounds like Morgan Freeman and sticking it in their mouth? <laughs> the ball's just like, oh, no, 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 oh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just picturing this. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that we ever learn, like, how much physical contact is actually possible. Like, can they, I think Rowden touches his at one point, so they're definitely physical, mm-hmm. but they can't carry anything. They can't, so I, I don't know. Yeah, how, if they weigh anything, because they fly around. So again, Destiny Two here reminds me of the ghosts in Destiny Two that float around and just kind of hang out with you, and then if you uh, if you die, they can resurrect you with delight. If you say so. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> he says there was a time when almost no Lantrian went without a seance. So he's like, I, I think you're gonna get a seance one of these days, Matisse. She's like, wait, really? Yeah, yeah, after after the city's fixed and everything, we'll find you a Seon. Well, back up, back up. You're going to get a Seon a, a, a named after your own Aeon, which is Atty. I'm like, yep. yeah, Atty means hope. No, it fucking doesn't. <laughs> those, those and yes, I know, I, know, I know the Ars Arcanum said, like, yeah, that's what that Seon, that Aeon means, but hold the fuck on. <laughs> You're like, I've met Atty. He's not a hopeful guy. No. <laughs> different language, different language, you know? It's like he ends up with a different one. <laughs> yeah, she does end up with a different one, so, but yeah. Like, yeah, maybe we'll even get you an Aeon, uh, a Seon with Addy as the Aeon, since that's the hope thing. And then Marishi rushes in, and it's like, Matisse, and she's like, hey, shut up, the kids are sleeping. 
Marishi has modified his clothing uh, with a couple of sashes, which he feels makes the costume more artistic. Which, okay, you do you, dude. <laughs> and apparently Galadon has since wandered off again. So Daishi's out teaching people how to use the new swords that came in, and Galadon is who knows where. I think he's actually in the library, is what we figure out. But Because he says him and Karata were in the library when the attack happened, so that must be where he's gone to. Man, this sucks. You're in charge, Marish. Make sure people don't kill themselves, Marish. No, they never tell me what they're actually doing. They go and have secret conferences without me. He's so. I like that he's the next in line. Like, if Karada and Galadon and Raudan are gone, they're like, Marishi, you're in charge. I love this crabby bastard. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically he was the third, or he was the second one raid and recruited, and, yep. you know, Karada's just been there longer and is more uh, of a leader, so that's the only reason she's ahead of him. Right. So, I mean, it makes, makes sense to me. Marishi's, like, the one building all their stuff, designing all their clothes. He's uh he's got a lot going on. He's like the quartermaster over here. Yeah, basically. He's basically Q. Yeah. He's like, just bring the clothes back in one piece, Raiden, please. She's like, oh, I wonder if they're off in the library, that secret library, some of the day she mentioned. And then the screaming starts. And that's uh they're like, Oh, this is not good. And Aish goes to check it out. And the kids who are awake or the older kids are like, Hey, what's going on? We want to find out. And they're like, No, no, no. And then they decide that they need to wake up all the kids again after they just got them to sleep. It's like, have them put their shoes on. Never wake a sleeping child. <laughs> Not even if there are guys with swords coming up the road. I mean, I feel like, yes, you could probably wake them in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Aish comes back. He's like, soldiers, they're attacking New Elantris. They wear red and have the height and dark hair of fjordals. And there's hundreds of them. Some of the soldiers are fighting, but it's it's there's too few of them. Elantris is already overrun. And she's like, no, 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 this can't happen. The soldiers are attacking the people they find, and they're coming this way, so we have to get the children. I take care of the children. It's my job, she's thinking. It's the job Lord Spirit gave me, so she's going to take care of these kids. And so she gets them moving. She doesn't want to tell them anything, because, you know, this is not the thing that you want to tell them. She's like, it's an emergency. That's all you need to know. You know my father and how he's a soldier? Well, that makes me a soldier, too. It's hereditary. <laughs> Uh, the kind of logic that works on kids. It's like, no, yeah, that checks out. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh. And so they're they need to run. They're gonna they're gonna head out. So they're trying to sneak the kids out before the soldiers get here. Good plan. Stuff starts burning. It's not great. She's like, surely there's the men in red uniforms. It's like, surely they wouldn't kill children. But yeah, no, they would. Oh, there's somebody shooting fireworks. That's what that is. I was like, what is that noise? Hmm. It's not New Year's Eve yet. <laughs> not not quite. Maybe not for you. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, it's not New Year's Maybe Eve summer. here. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you're in the future, you think you're so special. <laughs> I can see the future. I can see the future. But I like Ace is moving around out there to distract the soldiers, and they're like swinging their swords at him up in the sky. And that's and while he's got him distracted, Daishi shows up. He charges in, starts cutting them down, but. uh He's a good warrior, but the soldiers, more soldiers are showing up. And also he's an Elantrian, so he's not as strong as he could be. And he gets taken out, a, soul, a sword through the chest. And Aish is like, no, you have to run, run, Matisse. And uh, she's telling Aish, go find the, the, the kid, leading the other kids. Tell them, put the lantern out and take them someplace safe. And she's like, uh, he's like, where? It's like the library. Where's that? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's a hidden chamber that we could, that they might be safe there. Also, Galadon and Karada are theoretically there, so that's good, as good a place as any. And so she has them put that lantern out so she can 
turn on a lantern and lead the soldiers the wrong way, basically, away from the kids. After making her own Aeon H to, like, be like, hey, look over here. Here's a big light. Don't you want to kill me? I like she kind of she I like that she runs around in the dark, just randomly turning corners and stuff. And she ends up right back where she started. Like, oh, crap, there's Daishi. I, I was just here. And his Hoed mantra is run, Matisse, run to safety, which that's that's sweet and sad. But the soldiers have cornered her and they're like, tell me where the other kids went. And she's like, I don't know. You tell her I hurt you bad. And that's when the ground begins to shake and things start happening. It was as if someone had injected a hot liquid into her veins. Something was right. Something was wonderfully right. Her wounds heal. And the soldier's like, wait, what? Healed? She felt wonderful. She felt her heart. Hey, her heart's beating again. I guess maybe you notice that sort of thing when it hasn't been going for a while. (laughs) Smithers, there's a strange sensation in my chest. I think your heart's beating again, sir. Oh, that takes me back. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Burns the Elantrian. (laughs) Makes makes a weird kind of sense. Yeah. So I'm invincible. But no, even a slight breeze. Invincible. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, as the guy's about to take out this girl, who's a a newly minted, like, for real Lantrian, a voice is like, hey, I think you missed something, friend. The light healed her, and it healed me, too. And there's Daishi back to his his full strength, or even greater strength, because he's a Lantrian now. He's all silvery and glowing. I think Destiny totally ripped off Lantris because the light's healing him. That's that's totally a thing. <laughs> there's there's ghosts that are like seance. Yeah, there's light so healing all... you. There's yeah, it's all coming together now. Are you, are you saying that uh, Aishi is Peter Dinklage? <laughs> oh, nah, nah, they uh, they replaced Peter Dinklage with Nolan North. Oh, they, I like, see Aishi re- is Nolan redid, North. Yeah. They redid all the dialogue with Nolan North because. Uh, Peter Dinklage shat on Destiny. Oh, Dinklebot. Yeah, Dinklebot. R.I.P. But I like that it ends. He's like, where's the other children, Matisse? And she's like, I took care of them, Father. Everyone has a job, and that's mine. I take care of the children. And so we cut back to Rowden, who's like, so what happened? And she's like, oh, I led him to the library, and Galanon and Karada were gone. Must have missed them. <laughs> but I hid the children in there and uh, kept them calm by telling them story. And this is definitely the part where he should have been like, how did you know about the parts you weren't there for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Also, you didn't tell the end of your story, man. Like, yeah. you just were like, I asked oh, yeah, you what happened to you, and you told me this whole big thing about Matisse, and, like, I mean, that's cool and all, but that's not what I asked. <laughs> <laughs> but we find out that they gave Daishi two seans from people whose masters had died and had no one to serve when their wits were restored, and thanks for his service to New Elantris, and he gave one to her. Ron's like, oh, did she actually end up with Aeon Addy after all? And he's like, no, I believe it was Aeon Ayo. I don't know how you say that exactly. I just imagine, like, that's Freddie Mercury at, like on, on the stage going, Ayo! <laughs> <laughs> but that one means bravery. As, yeah, Joe actually asked me before we started if he was supposed to read the postscript. And I was like, nah, he didn't need to read the postscript. It's not a big deal. But Dak clearly did read the postscript. And it is kind of a sweet yeah, story I, I about, like, it. It's just uh, the name Matisse comes from like his his it, what he was dating the person who would become his wife. And uh, one of her eighth grade students, she was a teacher, was named Matisse and had done a book report on Elantris without knowing that her teacher was dating the person who wrote Elantris. And so uh, that's kind of the source of where this character came from. I mean, really, just as the whole brand will just name every single character after someone he knows in yep. some way. So 
Exactly. We have seen this before. Okay. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll do a quick predicaments. I don't know what you guys could predict at this point, but uh, if you have anything or any final thoughts on, as since we're wrapping up Elantris in its entirety at this point, any final thoughts on Elantris or anything related to that, feel free to throw that out. Hmm, prediction. I predict we will read something else. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's a safe prediction. I feel like I said kind of my piece on Elantris last time. Yeah, I think the book was good. I, I As a standalone work, I think it worked pretty well. I had some issues, like I said before, with kind of the style, but that's, you know, that's my thing. But yeah, it's good. It's all right. I, I think I enjoyed the Mistborn story as a whole more, even though I picked at it more than Elantris, but that's because there's more material to pick at, you know? Like, I love, uh, I think my favorite book that I really like to pick at is the third Harry Potter book because there's time travel and that just, like, futzes with a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Time travel always does that. Yeah, like, there's so many things in Harry Potter. I'm like, wait, now, is, is Hermione older now because she time-turned a bunch? Like, does the person that gets time-turned, do they... Get, like keep aging at the same rate or do they their aging stop while they're reliving their past like you know all sorts of weird stuff breaks my brain (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it's like okay let's let's we're going into harry potter now let me break it down for you if she if she had to take if she had to turn time back at least two hours a day to get to all of her classes and we assume they only have class on weekdays and we we know that from September to June they're in class, and there's like maybe a week for Christmas break or something. So two hours a day, five days a week. So you're looking at ten ten hours of time that she's redoing basically, and that happens over a span of let's say six six weeks if we use the American system. So six times six is thirty six. So thirty six times ten. So that's three hundred and sixty hours older than she was before if if that's how it works mm. okay that's i buy it yeah it's weird weird thing <laughs> i did have a, like a random thought like just you know i, I think uh, like early on when we were talking about oh who who would people who would uh, play these characters uh if in a movie or anything for some reason i have in my head it's like, like yeah maybe tom holland could do raiden maybe um okay i can see it yeah, and uh, Elle Fanning as Serene would be good. Sure. Yeah. They'd have to give her some major, like, lifts, because mm. Serene is supposed to be really tall. I think Elle Fanning is super yeah. tall, though. Like, is she? she was, she's in, yeah, she's in this movie. I mean, granted, it's a movie with Peter Dinklage, but, uh, like, <laughs> she is really, really tall. Let's see. Well, we know she's that She's 5'9". Tom... Oh, yeah, that's not that tall. We know that Tom Holland's pretty short. I think he's, like, 5'7". Well, let's find out. Hold on. Google will tell me. He is, Let me find uh, out. She just has to be taller than everybody else. Yeah, right. yeah. So they just shoot her, like, on a hill. <laughs> That's what they did for Tom Cruise, right? They put him on, like, a bucket and stuff every time? Yeah, he's about 5'7". He's a little under 5'7". Yeah, because I, I only know that because Zendaya is slightly taller than him, and that's, like, a thing people talk about. Oh, no, I'm sorry, he's 5'8". I w- it's 5.67 feet, and I was not thinking about the... Yeah, 5'8". I mean, you know, any time Robert Downey Jr. was next to Chris Evans, he had to be on a box or something, so. Uh, mm. Wait, do you guys measure height in meters? I didn't think about that. I guess you do, huh? Yeah, but uh, we've got a idea of feet. Yeah. That's, like, the only thing we really consistently use feet for. Is your height. Yeah. Interesting. 
I'm about use, five four. Uh, <laughs> use centimeters for shoes though. Uh no. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just buy shoe sizes. I don't know so, what they mean. Yeah, I, I, so I, I, Dak, I buy shoe sizes. You, yeah, when you buy a shoe size, Dak, what's your shoe size? I'm an I'm an eleven, but I can't remember if that's a US eleven or a UK eleven because they're different. Oh yeah, I guess yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because in US it's done by inches, so like an eleven shoe is eleven inches long. Oh okay. I did not know that. There you go. Yeah. Hmm. The things you learn. Do 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 do. And knowing okay. is half the battle. GI Joe. Anybody else? Any final thoughts or predictions? Uh, no predictions, but I I did like it. <laughs> Excuse my child. Every time. You good? Yeah, I, I, I like the story. I think the more I sort of sit back and think about it, it it did really work as a story for me. I also am looking forward to how many little bits of information we got in Elantris that will come back to put some pieces of the puzzle together later on. I think I, I'm looking really looking forward to seeing how the Cosmere comes together. Just these little extra bits of material that we've read this time and, and secret history, we're going to be finding bits of information in those for ages. And we go, oh, that's what that was. And I, I'm looking forward to sort of that penny drop moment when, when things start to fall together. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that is one of the fun things about this, uh, this series of series or whatever you want to call it. This universe is uh, the finding little things as you go along. Which is part of the fun of the show. It's why I was, we're doing it the way we are. Because I was like, oh, it'll be fun to discover things. And not not necessarily on reread, which is how most people discover most of it. It's like, you know, Secret History comes out and you read Secret History and then you go back and reread some stuff. And you're like, oh, I get that now. But obviously we're not doing that. as uh, That's not in the in the plan. Uh, yeah, that's on us. We, we have to go back and read them ourselves if we want to pick up that stuff. Right, yeah. Most of that stuff, I'm just like, so, I don't know if you guys remember, but this was mentioned at this point to try to point out to and point it out so we don't have to re- reread whole books. Uh, okay, we got three emails. We actually have four, but one of them is from me. I was forwarding myself the Cosmere timeline uh, that somebody... Brandon has been sort of vague on a lot of timeline issues because he doesn't want to set stuff in stone that he might later end up needing to change. So... People have put tried the, as best they can to put together a timeline uh, based on the information <laughs> we do have and stuff that he said. And so just and so I I found the best one recently and forwarded it to myself so I could like uh, take a look at it because there was some information that I was not aware of. Like for instance, according to this, this says that uh, devotion and dominion being destroyed was year one thousand on this timeline. So if the shattering of Adonalsium is zero. This was year one thousand, and then. Happy anniversary! The book that <laughs> we just read takes place on that same scale in the year 9,111. Ooh, Whoa. they've been dead a long time. So yes, they've. Uh, if that's correct, they've been dead a long time. And then... No wonder they're getting their gods mixed up. Rashek <laughs> taking, taking the power at the Well of Ascension, which happens a thousand years right before the main Mistborn books. Rashek taking that power takes place in 9,601, according to this calendar. So that's okay. 500 years after Elantris that we just read. Oh, wow. So, like I said, this is not set in stone. This is just the best that they could come up with based on the information we have. But uh, that's that gives you an idea about, like, the differences that we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yes. Email's not from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first one is from Daphne. 
It says, hello to the whole crew. I'm Daphne. I'm from a small town north of Montreal, Canada, where everything's been covered in snow since the end of November. And yes, I normally speak French. That's hilarious because it's like it was it's like in the 80s here. It was like a high of 88 on Christmas. And that would be. Yeah, we uh, we broke it. We broke a Texas record for heat in December this year. It got up to 90 degrees the day after Christmas. Our high um, on Christmas Day was 31.1 degrees Celsius for Celsius users. So that's it was warm. Yeah, that's, it's pretty about warm a, for us. It's about a well, that's about how warm it was here. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Funny. But we're in winter and you're in summer, so or yeah, we, yeah. Have, we have an excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, she says, I've been reading along with you and listening to the podcast since the very beginning, and I just finished Elantris. I couldn't wait for you guys to come back from your break. Sorry. I'm a first-time reader, and I'm enjoying listening to your discussions. It makes the reading experience so much fun. I really liked Elantris, but the ending left me with so many questions. I know this is a standalone, but I feel like a lot is left unresolved. So she's got several questions, and she's like, and I'll, I'll go back to them in a minute. But she says, I've tried finding answers to these things on Reddit and online, but it's really hard because there's so many spoilers out there. So if Data can answer a few of these or if you guys have the same questions and want to discuss them, then that would be nice. So Look, uh, we're four books deep. I've just come to terms that there are going to be unanswered <laughs> questions. <laughs> One of her questions is how are Seons created? And I, all I can say on that is that is something Brandon has specifically called out that if he ever gets around doing a sequel to Elantris, that is something that will probably be addressed there. Second question is what caused the chasm? Was it simply was it really simply a natural disaster? So there is a somebody has asked Brandon and I brought up the exact question that they asked, but they're like, so was the Rayod a natural event? So that's the fall of Elantris. And he's like, okay, well that's kind of a a weird question because it's like, well, somebody says you said that the earthquake, that's the earthquake that created the chasm, was not caused by natural events. And he says, okay, yeah, it's complicated because the earthquake was not caused by natural events, but the rayod was a natural effect of the earthquake. So the rayod is natural as in a result, a natural result of what happened, but the earthquake was not natural. And somebody says, was it because of like magic strain on the land? And Brandon says, that's certainly part of what was going on. So that is the most explanation we've gotten. Okay, so the... So the ca- the chasm was caused by something or someone doing something magically involved. So let's just go out and assume that's Jadith trying to get out of his rock tomb, and uh, he just he it's 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 kind of like he just got the wrong part of the world when he was trying to break out and realized oh wait this isn't my house and he had to go back down and try and <laughs> and try and break out in Fjordal. Word. I agree with you, Jack. That's actually was always my thought on it too. It's like wait, well Jadith's underground, right? So maybe these things are related. That, that 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 that's always been my feeling. I don't I don't know if there's a, a, even actually is an entity that like Jadeth. I mean, we know their gods are dead, so maybe that there really isn't anything like that. But that was always my thought. Is that the Theodals have just been watching too much too much Jude and thought, well, all right, there's something underground. Those are the worms. <laughs> Our next question is, what are the Jeskari mysteries exactly, and why was I on doing sacrifices? Was it working? I, I kind of assume no, that it was just, that it's just like something fucked up that d- has developed, but uh, maybe. <laughs> There's no information on that that I know of. <laughs> just imagine that yeah, guy I mean, like, cultist. Like he's just like, so we've sacrificed forty girls this month. Like, can we knock it off? And he's like, no, we have to go again. It's gonna work this time, I promise. Ugh. Again. <laughs> it is something that I had not thought of in a really long time. Yeah, a lot's happened. The mysteries. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah we, we've come a long way. I'm just gonna take Galadon's word for it and just basically say like. Yeah, it's total BS. Yeah, that's that's where I've always come down on it. 
now, if it was a, a more competent character than Iodon, would we still be saying BS, or are we saying BS just because we hate him mm. and everything associated with him must be must be redundant? I feel like Galadon knows the most about Jesker, and he's just like, no, that's like a, a stupid perversion. So that, I think that's where it comes from for me. I'm like, okay, I, he seems to be the one who knows what he's talking about on that. Yeah, yeah. that's true. He knows more that's than I do. Sure. created. Yeah, that exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just scary just human sacrifices and yeah. <laughs> Every time a okay. human sacrifice, the Saiyan gains its light. <laughs> it's like, oh, why did why did this Saiyan not come into being? Sir, you meant to get naked first. Oh, right. Oh. Okay, bring in another girl. I always forget about the naked. You gotta carve the Aeon and it's just messed up. Uh, it's messed up. Our next question is, how were people chosen to become Elantrians? We actually talked about that a little bit on this episode. We don't know, and neither does Chris, for that matter. So... Good question. <laughs> then we know that Diloph could cancel the power of Aeons. Won't the Viking Pope now focus on creating an army of creatures with that same ability? So, yeah, I mean, thank you for calling him Viking Pope. Right? Yeah. yeah we appreciate it's that. caught on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we talked about that at the t- at the time because, like, in I guess the last episode, because apparently it takes killing fifty people to give somebody that one ability in addition to the other abilities that require killing people, right? And he's yeah, just lost of abilities. the majority of these guys that he's already started working on. So he's kind of back to square one. I mean... A lot of people now. Yep. If the majority of the Empire was Fjordal, I guess he's got a lot of people to work with. But yeah, it's rough. I mean, we thought Iodon was messed up for sacrificing his you know servants. Like, geez, how many people is this guy killing? Well, at least he's presumably powers? doing them while clothed. Yeah, you know, hopefully. That's the thing about Viking Pope. That's his secret. <laughs> He's, He's always, always naked. naked. <laughs> except, except, except for the Pope hat with the horns on it. He always has to right. wear that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing he wears. He's like, yeah, whenever you know he beds women, they're always like, leave the hat on. He's like, oh, I'm not taking it off. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> you can leave your hat on. <laughs> Put on the Mr. Plow jacket. <laughs> Uh, how do we get here? I it's, it's just us. That's how we get. That's how we roll. I, mean, I, I live here. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Our next one is: I can't believe Fjordan is just going to leave Erlon and Teod alone now. Surely another plan to conquer will be set in motion. Yeah, you have to imagine, right? That's, that's all I can give you on that. Like, I don't know. I guess so. You would yeah, think. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, yeah. <laughs> they had a big like, setback. Uh, so yeah, sure, maybe. <laughs> Why did Serene's father decide to take the throne from Keen? Is everybody is okay with it now that it's known? I mean, we talked about that in the last episode, which hasn't come out yet, so you couldn't have heard it yet. But uh, like the background on that, or maybe it was the episode before the last one. Uh, either way, when this email was sent, that hadn't come out. So that's some information on that. But I agree. It feels weird that everyone's okay with it. Maybe everyone just really hated Keen in, yeah. uh, in, in Teo. He was so absent, so... Yeah, was, I mean, kind of it's like the prince. Yeah, the prince you know versus the guy who's attacking your kingdom. You know. Her last thing is, if you guys are looking into uh, for another fantasy series to read just for fun, I strongly recommend the Farseer trilogy by Robin Hobb. Actually, the whole realm of the Enderli- Elderlings is wonderful, and I feel like you guys would love it. I have read the uh, the 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 first trilogy in that in that universe. I thought it was okay. I liked it enough to reach the end of the trilogy, even though I had problems with it along the way. I did not like it enough to then go and continue into the rest of the universe. I have had several people recommend Robin Hobb to me, so I really should get on that. 
Although I guess at the time that I read those the, the trilogy, there was only one other book in the universe. So I, I said that weirdly, like, yeah, I didn't want to read the rest of them. I didn't want to read that one other one that eventually turned into more. But uh, yeah, screw it. I don't want to read that. So that was that was Daphne. Thank you. Thank the you. The next one is from Michael, who says, "Hello, Sander Lanch crew with an E. Just listened to the next to last episode covering Lanchers, and I'm so excited for y'all to finish this story. It sounds like the reading schedule has tightened up a bit for the recordings over the holidays." And what a convenience that is over the Sander Lanch itself. Oh, because we're, we're going through the part of the book that's the Sander Lanch. Sorry, I was, I was lost for half a second. Even without a week to ruminate on the ideas and chapters, you're still able to come up with delightful predictions. I don't know if that speaks to the imagination of the group or the sheer possibility for anything to happen during a Sander Lanch. You're all very clued in, folks, and I'm sure someone got it right or got it close enough to be satisfied in the final episode's wrap-up. I don't know that anyone managed to predict the crazy shit that happened in the last section. No, I think oh, that one yeah. I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think we predicted that. I kept thinking that they weren't going to be able to fix it. Right. But I think I was, honestly, if we hadn't read Secret History, I may not have made that jump. I kept thinking the people in the Eyrie were people from the future of Elantris. And so since they were still all messed up looking, I just made the assumption in my mind that uh, that they were not going to be able to uh, to fix it all the way. Yeah. I guess, I, yeah, I guess if uh, if what we uh, learned was true, then, uh, or I mean, if this timeline is correct, then it's actually like the, the people in the area are 1,500 years before yeah. when we first saw them in secret history. Right. I'm still riding high on the Dreyak crush throat prediction. That <laughs> yeah, that yeah. The yeah, that was, that's probably our biggest thing. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It's uh, true. This is a good one. I think that like, I do remember there was an email saying it's like, oh, so if someone made a joke that turned out to be true. I'm just like, well, it has to have been that one because we made such a big thing of it. I'm that pretty was, sure we've done that, done that before. We've like, like, you know, jokes aside jokes. But that was the first one we wrote as a big thing. <laughs> yeah, I almost wish it hadn't been true so that we could poke fun at it more. Because now that it's true, it's like, I don't know, it doesn't feel as ripe. Mm. Yeah, it's not, not as funny when it's true. <laughs> uh. Uh, he says, I'm so glad everyone seems to enjoy or mostly enjoy this work. It's a delight to get back to this story, and I know we all enjoy listening to the climax of the story along with y'all. Very excited for the next story, which I assume will be standalone. Either option taken are both my favorites. You all are exactly right about the great avenues for spinoff stories. What a shame Cell Elantris is on Brandon's back burner and the Cosmere is already so vast. It may not be Dinosaur Erotica, but this would be some great <laughs> fan fiction to write and read. Loyal listeners... <laughs> Yeah, dinosaur erotica. Man, I've really slowed down on my YouTube channel. I've been busy with work and stuff. I need to drop some more videos, but I haven't had time. What what other spinoffs did we talk about? Because we talked about one today, but I'm trying to talk about like Galadon and Dreyok. Oh yeah, a couple other possibilities. Yeah, it's like Galadon and the schoolgirl. You know something? (laughs) Okay, that's that's a who's line joke. Nelson mentions further down that he's a, a regular user on the Discord and he feels like maybe questions have slowed down because people can go and ask things on the Discord, which that's uh, fair. So yeah, that could be part of it. Uh, I mean, we're on the Discord. Why? Why is the community keeping us from answering <laughs> questions? No, uh, let's see. How many people are signed up? On? We've got like let's see. We've got about 50 people registered on the Discord. There's probably not nearly that many who use it regularly, but that's the that's cool number. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> We're shutting the Discord down. Uh, no, no, that's not true. Don't listen. <laughs> the last email is from Bradley, and he says, Hello, I've been listening to the Sanderlands for a while, and I wanted to chime in saying I enjoy it quite a bit. 
I hope you all have been enjoying your trip through these first couple of books. I do have one concern. I'm worried that data mentioning information about future books could lead to disappointment or frustration for Jamie, Dak, and or Joe. For example, data describing the Mistborn book as the first Mistborn book as a self-contained story, which caused one of you to feel disappointed with several unanswered questions remaining. I'm concerned that data did a similar thing with Alloy of Law by describing it as a Western, when in my opinion, it's uh, the prologue is a Western. Well, it's fine. He's he's guiding. He's our Sherpa. <laughs> Wasing the greeting from the place of Canada, Bradley. I just had to read the, the sign off. That was good. Oh, come on. <laughs> Let's let's keep the spook talk to a minimum, okay? It's <laughs> not wrong about uh, alloy of law exactly. It's and I've tried I try to describe it in the past. It's it's part western, but it's more like the end of the old west sort of thing. Uh, I like we'll, so like like Red Dead Redemption style. Like Red Dead that. Redemption is always what I have thought about in relation to it. Yeah, and that's it's probably. In general, more urban than Red Dead Redemption. It'd be like Red Dead Redemption if most of the story took place in that one town that's there. Mm, maybe like the big, Red the Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption, but it's like does does it have like some steampunky aspects? I wouldn't really call it steampunk. Oh, people have called it steampunk, but I don't really think that uh, that applies. It's really it it follows a very Earth technology progression, uh, except built in with how Alamancy would you know, affect these things. But anyway, we're going to get there for too terribly long, so I won't go into it much. But. This is somewhere, somewhere between like the twilight of the old West and the roaring twenties. Yeah, no, that's actually pretty good. Uh, a pretty good way to look at it. Mm. Sherlock Holmes, the second one. But anyways, so <laughs> those are our emails for next time. We are starting the emperor's soul, which I did. I did mention last time. That's where we're going next. The emperor's soul is Divided up not into chapters, but into days. So, yeah. and the days are not, I almost said not sequential. They they do go in the correct order, but they skip some in the middle. So what we will be reading for next time is the prologue of the Emperor's Soul, which is in um, is in our, uh, the Arcanum Unbounded book that you guys have. It, it actually starts right after the Selish system, I think. And we're going to read the prologue, day two, day three, and day five. So that is for next time. We're going into the Emperor's Soul, which takes place on Cell. We're still on the same planet. But you remember when it talked about how, like, there's different empires and they kind of ignore each other. This is a different one from where we mm. have been. Cool. So that is for next time. Four chapters, essentially. Prologue, day two, day three, day five. Just just so I have it, like, what's after day five so I know where to put the marker and say stop here? After day five is day 12. Okay, so if I see day 12, that's the stop. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Okay. If anyone would like to send us emails, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, and I almost said, I almost said Facebook Marketplace for some reason. We're not there. Don't look there. <laughs> We're not selling uh, anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that sort of thing. Send us things, comments, likes, whatever you want to do. We're on YouTube. I haven't updated the last couple episodes to YouTube yet, but they'll get there eventually, someday. <laughs> yeah, man, you did a good job. You got them all up. Yeah, you know, we're, yeah. we're much more caught up yeah. than before. That's the important thing. We're making progress. Uh, but yes, going into the Emperor's Soul, which I love. I really love the Emperor's Soul, so I'm excited to do that for next time. And uh, music by Miracle of Sound. And wasing to the time of next. Colo? My name's Get up, get out.